I am beyond grateful for our Patreon supporters. You know, the Mountain Mysteries exceeded any expectations that I had. I'm an independent creator and have zero sponsors. Patreon support and PayPal donations help offset the cost of travel and producing and hosting these episodes. And by hosting, I mean having them on that server or the platforms. Patreon supporters get early access to all episodes and things that go on behind the episodes, in addition to bonus episodes and videos that will never be found on any of the other platforms and on certain tiers. They also get some cool stuff like shirts, mugs, stickers, hoodies, and more. You know, this is all about the people, and it's all for the people. You, our Patreon supporters and people that donate on PayPal, are making it possible to stay mysterious, and I'd love to talk about you and mention your name too. Links to PayPal and Patreon are in the episode notes below. A big thank you to Sharon Barron, Christina Stores, Josh Preston, Jessica Preston, Trevor Huff, Latricia Ferguson, Bobby Fairchild, Angela Oakes, Stacy Underwood Gullet, Michelle DeLong, and Amanda Henry Blevins. Thank you to our Patreon supporters, PayPal donators, and everyone who downloads and listens to the Mountain Mysteries. Did we pick up now where we left off? A Pantry Studio production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. I will be the last to fall. I won't shed a tear for them to see. There are over 1.9 billion square acres in the United States alone, and 24% of those are mountainous. The secrets that these regions hold are enormous. Reports of mysterious creatures, strange sightings and sounds, ghosts and murders, and those who have seemingly vanished. There are questions that need asking and answers worth finding. These are the Mountain Mysteries. Here's Chris Sloan. Now that you've heard episode one, Tragedy at Paintsville Lake, these are the interviews between Sharon Barron Grass and myself and Timothy Pennington in their entirety. Be warned, some of them are difficult to hear. She's always loved people, elderly people, handicapped people, and animals. She's a fun-loving child, uh, just loved life, liked to get out, play with her cousins, help her grandma, and honest. Very loving. Yes, very loving. Okay. The night, what was it, May 19th? 91. Where were you at? What were you doing? Well, I had been out 
with the Veterans of Foreign Wars post, which my husband was commander of. We were hosting a bingo to raise money to buy things for the veterans, you know, for like toothpaste, toothbrush, socks, and stuff like that. So when we got home, I went straight to bed. At that point, I asked Sharon if she got a phone call or how was she notified? I don't remember getting a call. I remember a knock on the door around 1, 1 1.15 time frame. And I got up and I opened the door and there was the sheriff, which is uh, Gene Sire, which I did recognize him. But there was another guy with him that told me he was the coroner, J.R. Frisbee. And they just blatantly come out and said, there's been an accident April, she's dead. It's like that. It was just that simple? Yes. With no, we're sorry to inform you or no, no, just, no. just there's been an accident, she's gone? There's been an accident April, she's dead. This is going to sound like a redundant, a stupid question. What did you feel? All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. You are a paranormal investigator? Yes. Is this what launched that? Yes. When you first started, did you have doubts about an afterlife? About, Or had you even thought about it? Most people don't really think too much about it until we get on in a few years. We were raised to believe that spirits do exist. People do see spirits, and they come back for a reason in different forms, fashion. Sharon is a paranormal investigator, and of course that begged the question I had to ask her if she felt like she had ever encountered April. It was approximately six months after she passed away. I had went to bed, and I had a waterbed. And I remember the waterbed giving on the left-hand side like somebody had crawled in beside of me. I remember turning over, and there was April. And, I mean, I could smell her her body odor. You know, I could just about taste it. It was in the bed give again, and the spirit went to the foot of the bed and turned around and says, Mom, don't go to the Painsville Lake. Just like that, and just disappeared. So you had plans on going up there? Yeah. Why? Because I wanted to see. I wanted to see for myself. And when I got to the Painesville Lake, I had been told a totally different area than what the water patrol officer showed me and took me to. A totally different area. So all this time, me and my mother and friends and stuff and officials there in Johnson County would go to this one area and we would tie in memory of April Pennington big red banners on the trees out there which my mother who's passed away now would get up there and tie them on the tree and some of the remnants of that is still out there embedded Mm -hmm. in the tree Mm -hmm. but that was a totally different area than what the water patrol officer physically showed me by how much would you say 10, 15 feet, 20 feet or a lot more a lot less? It's a good five, six hundred feet away. hundred? Yes. It's around another area. It's out of that cove into another area. Who was it that found her in the lake? Your guess is as good as mine. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question, which is going to apparently be unanswered. Who called emergency medical services then? Who called an ambulance? Who called law enforcement? Who got them out there? How did she get to the hospital? Her body was brought to the hospital in the cab of a pickup truck by 
two individuals that were juveniles back then, and they had stopped by Long John Silver's in Paintsville, and one of them asked for a, a glass of water, which I was to- I was told by the deceased boys' sisters who worked there that the water was dashed on my daughter's face because they said that the boy had pulled up to the drive-thru and wanted to know where they were at. And when they went to the window, they said, what are you doing in Tim's truck? And the boy replied, we're on our way to the hospital with April. Tim can't be found. Now, according to reports later on, we would find out that Tim was actually submerged in the lake, the individual that she was with that night. Yes. The emergency room people told me that April's body was in the cab of the truck and they had a time getting her body out Well, she was about five foot tall mm-hmm. and they had time getting her out uh, that her body didn't have no clothes on it and that they had reached in there one little girl did and pulled out her purse and clothes and handed them to him which they put on the gurney with the body and took the body into the hospital now just a, a short while back you and I spoke and you said that to this day the attending physician that night in the ER will not speak of this. He has told me that he will not speak of this death or anything that he knows about it because unless he has a court order ordering him to speak. But I have got him on recording of his own free will. For the purposes of this, we're going to call the individual that she had been dating, John. How many people, to your knowledge, was there? We know that April and Tim were. Four, four, four to five that I know of. And that's because they're in the reports. Let's talk about a girl named Brenda. Some days up... To April's passing, there were there were words between the two. Apparently, Brenda and John they'd had sex. April found out about this, and tell me a little more about what we know transpired there. I did not know anything about this until years later. Mm-hmm. Until Brenda, that's who we're calling the other one, mm-hmm. she made a video and put it on Facebook. I did not know anything about that. Is that video still there? Uh, No, the video was taken immediately, taken down, but the video had made its way into my possession, Mm -hmm. and I have the video. And in that video, what does she talk about? She talks about the death of my daughter, April Pennington. She wanted to get her side of the story out, which is a different side than what she gave a newspaper reporter back in, I guess, 10 or 12 years ago, which is recorded at, should be in a Paintsville Herald newspaper at the Johnson County Library. John is alleged to have been on the lake that night. He alleged, yes. Yeah. The alleged incident puts him on a pontoon boat, I think. Uh, a houseboat or something or, or like something that. like that, apparently. Yeah. In the same body of water that April was found in yes okay can i back up and say that nobody but the intoxicated juveniles saw the body in the water so all this is going around by their stories two of them 
the ones that brought April's body to the hospital, all this, she drowned, we pulled her out of the lake, and all this other stuff surrounding April was given to the authorities by these two intoxicated juveniles. Nobody else out there heard any noises, no screaming for help, no splashing of water. Uh, they claimed to had went over the bank and saw April floating face down in the water. When we actually, me and my paranormal team, went out there and put a person twice as big as April in that same location with a white t-shirt on and this girl had long blonde hair, you couldn't see her in that water with the lighting that's out there now. And back then there was one little tiny light. Autopsy results. According to the officials, the cause of death was accidental drowning. What did your autopsy results discover? Because you, you had an autopsy done yourself, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that there were bones and body parts missing from the body. So, therefore, they had to go um, by the findings of the first autopsy because they did find fluid in the lungs. But that fluid could have been embalming fluid because the body had been bar- embalmed and buried for four and a half months previous to this mm-hmm. autopsy. But other than that, there was no water in the lungs? Just the pink frothy stuff, which could have been caused by the uh, embalming fluid. She didn't say that, but... Now, it's been reported that the individual that she was with that night had a deathly fear of water. Is my understanding, yes. I mean, so much so that he wouldn't go into a swimming pool. That's what I've been told by several. That knew him. Yep. Some of which his family. Mm-hmm. Yet he was found... Uh, if I recall correctly, and I don't have the reports in front of me at the time of this recording, but he was found about 35 feet out and 20-some feet down in the water. With 12, 12 to twelve to 20 feet of water, I believe. I'm just speculating. I don't have mm-hmm. that report with me either. But he was found face down in the water with his hands next to his body. It's my understanding that drowning victims, they tend to have their hands extended away from the body yeah, yeah. for purposes of grasping stuff, which I've seen a, a person drowned in a creek, and they never had their hands next to their body. In addition to that, were there any contusions or abrasions on either April or Tim? I've seen, um, and so I did others through pictures and stuff, that there was places around April's neck, a piece of her ear looked like it had been um, jerked off or like an earring had been jerked out um, there were purple to pink areas on the back and uh, on the right side down the shoulders um, bruises but what struck me odd is and anybody would know this that if you're drowning in a body of water like a lake there is big rocks there big rocks I've been you're to the thrashing lake, yeah. around in that water thrashing violently to get air number one somebody's going to hear it even though you can't scream you're thrashing number two you're going to have places on your arms and your legs april had none no places on her arms or legs like she had hit the rocks like she has flinging her arms out like a, a normal drowning person would be this is almost 30 years now you have, you've actually spoken with some people, mm-hmm. some investigators, uh, and they're all coming back and they're ruling this as an accidental drowning so far. Is that right? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. John. And has you. never been questioned at all. Not from day one, he was not questioned. You know, in most homicidal investigation, or in any kind of a death investigation, normally the first people that they go to is the significant other, be it a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. He was never questioned? At all? No. To this day? To this day. What is it, what is it like now? What do, you, what do you hope to accomplish? Well, they have the Black Lives Matter thing out there, and I think all lives matter. My daughter, April Pennington's life mattered. And I think that things need to come out. They, they need to talk. They need to tell what happened. One of the other things I found interesting about this in particular was another individual that was there that night. Uh, just and it, was very, it was not very long after this. He wound up deceased. Yes. And to say that it was kind of... For lack of a better word of putting it weird the way it happened, that's an understatement, I think. But um, we've had several people since then that either claimed that they weren't and were or claimed that they were and weren't there that night. Things have happened to them. Yes. How many autopsies were done? Uh, The coroner had one done, and I had one done personally. And the findings were different? Well, the findings... Like I said, the private one, I called her when I got the report and everything because this was privately done and privately paid for. And her medical legal opinion is a 16-year-old white female died of drowning, autopsied and buried. This is the legal opinion from the autopsy report before that she was just going by. Buried approximately four and a half months prior to this autopsy. The first autopsy said she had a blood alcohol, um, according to the previous autopsy, is 0.10 grams per ethanol alcohol. It has been something that I've been looking into that when the body dies, it starts producing ethanol alcohol on the moment it dies. Do research. And uh, she could not come to any other conclusion because of the fact that uh, there was bones and body parts missing. Um, can you be a little? Can you elaborate a little on that? What was missing? We know that some of her ear. Uh, let's see, now during the second autopsy. Okay. The upper airways, the hythoid bone, the pineal gland was not there. Um, the larynx was not open. It was not identified. Whoa, 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 whoa. back up! The, uh, the hythoid bone was mm-hmm. gone. Yes, and the hythoid bone, for people that don't know what that is, is a little U-shaped, very fragile bone that sits in the back of your throat that controls the opening of food going to your stomach and air going to your lungs. Right. That was not in there. It's not in the body. I have the report that says it was not identified. To me, identified means it was not there. The, previously the only way that's removed, going to go anywhere is if somebody takes it out. Well, the previously removed neck organs, including the larynx, was not there uh, either. I mean, they weren't opened. The upper airways were not identified. Uh, the right lung, which was still intact. I'm reading this directly from the report. Then we go down here. The esophagus is still attached and not previously opened. The appendix was not identified. The remaining portion of the uterus was not identified. But all that other stuff was not identified in the body, which is important to identifying exactly what happened, especially the upper airways and everything, but she did find the cyst on the ovaries. Cyst, the second autopsy, Dr. Julia Gooden, who's passed away now, found cyst 
on the ovaries. Now the ovaries is more finer than than these other organs, you know. If she can find the cyst, what happened over here to the other ones? Because if we're talking about degradation, wouldn't you think that those would be the first ones to, or some amongst the first to? And they're on the emergency room that night, uh, probably hall, I had a report right here. And if you can see, there is three different handwritings here on this report. Here's the doctor's signature, and it is not like any of the other handwritings here. And whoever wrote this part right here was the one that wrote drowning victim because the doctor said he did not write it because he did not concur at that time that it was a drowning. Even underscored twice. Yes. Drowning victim. DOA. The report does appear to be in separate handwritings. Normally when that's handled, one person writes out that report. Yeah. Well, somebody printed the top, wrote in the middle. Uh, there's um, this lady. I'll not mention her names now. Mm -hmm. She won't talk about it either. I've tried my best to, to just go ask some questions, and... Everybody clams up tight. Yeah, they think I'm crazy or something crazy old mom. Or they're just wanting you to let it go. I won't. I can't. I can't for my daughter's life. I can't for my her brother, her nieces and nephews who never got to grow up and need on and know her. I can't let it go with the possibility that somebody else's child may wind up like this. So I'm doing it for April. I'm doing it for myself and my family. I'm doing it for other people's children as well with the cover-ups. Now, candidly as you can speak, what do you think happened that night? I think that my daughter and the bunch that she was with was riding through the plaza and certain people found out that they were there and where they were going and it was either out there hiding and wanted to do something that they shouldn't have been doing whether it was a fight that got out of hand that resulted in the deaths or whether it was just right out we're going to kill her and throw her in the water because the emergency room doctor again said that april had been dead a long time i said who died first and when I asked him that question, I was wanting to know because I did not want my dog. I could not imagine April standing, sitting, swimming or whatever and seeing somebody drown in front of her knowing what type of child she was. He said she died first. I said, how long had she been dead? He said, for a very long time. I said, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. He said, longer. But also in the report, it states that Tim Stambo's family or that the people at in the, uh, that drove the ambulance that brought Tim Stambo to the hospital was upset that despite the fact that they actually got a heartbeat on him before they got him to the hospital and the doctors and staff didn't do anything to help him. It's in the police report, Kentucky State Police report, yeah. So, you know, uh, that leads me to believe, well, you know, Tim couldn't swim. He was found on the bottom of the lake. These are, this is all coming from the report. He was found by the Johnson County Rescue Squad who was notified by the emergency personnel there at Palby Hall Hospital. So when the two individuals brought April in, they told them, said, oh, there's another one out there. So they automatically called the rescue squad who was within six, 700 feet away from that area to go down there. And then they went in, there was a boy down there who is deceased now, but 
he was sitting at a picnic table and he pointed right to the area and they set up the lights, went straight in that same area and pulled him out. Tim Stambo. But they got a heartbeat on him. The ambulance personnel got a heartbeat on him on the way to the hospital. But there was no signs of life. Pupils fixed and dilated. Cold, clammy. Just a shell laying there of April. And, you know, the rumor was back then that uh, Timmy fell into the water and April went in to save him. And in the process of him drown of her trying to save him, she drowned. Well, if that's the case, then why did they not get a heartbeat or anything on April? Why was her body the white glistening? Not chiatonic and cold and just, I can't understand that. Well, also, and I had to, you know, there comes a point if I'm drowning and you jump in, try to save me, and if I'm already gone, natural preservation is going to kick in and you are going to save yourself at this point. You're going to say, okay, I've done all I can do. I'm going to step away so I can keep living. It's just, it, it's in, it's human nature. It's animalistic nature. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she back off if that's the case? Why didn't she get back to shore? April could swim. Oh, yes. Myrtle, April could swim. Myrtle Beach Ocean at age 12 without a flotation device. Yeah. Now, Tim, not so much. That's why he had this deathly fear of water. So why was he in the water? I don't know. But now there is something I can say about Tim that I knew well enough to know. If he saw her in trouble, he was going to do something to help her. That was Tim. He would try to do something. That's the kind of guy Timothy was. I knew that. The reason I knew that was because I knew him. April was the same way. If she saw someone in distress, she would jump in and do anything that she could to help them. I have no doubt of that. Now, it was only a couple of weeks later that I met with Timothy Pennington. Now, at the time that April died, Tim was around 10 or 11 years old. He was young, but he still has very vivid memories. Some sweet, some, well, they leave a very bitter taste behind. This was our interview with Timothy Pennington, which took place at the Paintsville Lake just a week or so after Sharon's initial interview. My name's Timothy Pennington. I'm April Pennington's brother. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background, that uh, you, you served in the United States Armed Forces. And I went right in right after high school in August of 99 and got out in 2013. What made you decide to do that, to serve? My dad served and my papa served, and, you know, and actually, I remember, ironically, I was sitting on April's bed back when the Gulf War was going on, and I was watching that, and I was like, man, that'd, that'd be cool. And then uh, that's just something I always wanted to do. And, well, we thank you for your service. You know, I didn't get a chance to go to Iraq, but I went to Afghanistan. So That's that's hell on earth. So I kind of liked it. Did you? <laughs> well, but we thank you for your service, uh, and I'm grateful for one. And tell me about some of your memories of April. I know that you were, what, about 10 when she yeah. passed? Yeah, 10, 11. Okay. Tell me about some of your fondest memories of April. Uh, the only memories that I really have is uh, she would have some hot friends that come over, you know, because I was that age. And then I remember once she made me mad and I took a pair of uh, school scissors and cut her bangs off 
all the way to the scalp, and yeah, she about killed me on that one. Did you do that while she slept? Yeah, yeah, she was sleeping. Okay, I was going to say I can't imagine any other yeah. way. That night, which was what May nineteenth, right, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, what was it like? What happened? How did you get word? Uh, I got word I was staying with my dad. We lived over in Davis Branch, and uh, I remember we were sleeping. And I won't think I was sleeping in the floor at the time, and he was in his bed. And we got a knock on the door, and it was the police department in the corner. <laughs> they just talked to Dad, and that's the first time I ever seen him cry. You know, I really didn't know what was going on. The way that Sharon put it, it was, you know, not even so much as a, I'm sorry, but to just walk up and say, hey, so-and-so is gone. Right. Does that not seem kind of callous? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't sympathetic. They didn't come in and sit down or anything like that. I do remember that. Just like a knock on the door and saying, hey, uh, you April Pennington's father? And he's like, yeah. It's like, well, you know, she you know, drowned tonight, and that was it. Now, according to the official reports, she was a victim of accidental drowning, end quote. Yes. Do you agree with that? No. Tell me what do you think happened well, I definitely 100% think, don't think that she drowned, you know, because number one is I remember seeing the autopsy in the emergency room photos, and she had a busted mouth. She had hair pulled out from behind her head. She had like a ligature thing around her neck. Um, and then in the autopsy photos, she had all kind of bruises on her, you know. You don't get that from drowning. And secondly, you know, the other guy that passed away that night i remember seeing him in the jones of Preston's and not all his knuckles was busted up he had knots on his head you know and you don't get that from drowning i mean you can go out here kill somebody throw a bucket of water on them hey i found them over here you know in the lake and they drowned well all right your words are good enough you know that's the way i feel that happened not to put words in anyone's mouth but some people feel like she was murdered Yes. And murdered before she hit the water. Yes, I think so. That would support the autopsy finding that there was no water in the lungs. Correct. Is that true, that there was no water in the lungs found during autopsy? Okay. You cannot drown without water in your lungs. One of the people that she had recently dated and had a separation from, we'll call him John, was alleged to have been here and alleged to have been on the boat or on a pontoon boat or a houseboat or something. There was also another female person, and we will call her Brenda, whom in recent weeks leading up to April's passing had had words and maybe even a physical altercation with April. Can you elaborate on that? Do you know anything about that? I I realize that at the time you were 10. Right. Well, I have talked to Brenda, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can see, you know, yeah, having altercations, you know, having fights. It's, you know, your teenagers... Can I say that she wasn't here? No. Do I think that she's the one that killed April or and Timmy? I want to say no, because if it was just April getting killed, I could kind of go female on female. That's legible. But there is no female going to be able to kill a female and a grown man. Mm. You know, so they have to. There's some male figure there. 
I want to inject a note right here to make a mention of this in the narration of the podcast, and I want to confirm this with you, that you did serve in the military police as well, right? I did. Okay, right. So you have law enforcement background. I do. There were several others, I think, that I heard uh, your mom say up to, what was it, four or five others? In addition to John and or yeah, John and Brenda. Yes. Uh, do you think this was a gang up on somebody kind of effort? In, in a way, yes. You know, because I mean, what's the chances of just you know prom night? You know, just rolling up. You know, certain things happen. I, I think that it was all staged, in my opinion. You and I have talked before. Matter of fact, on the phone a few days ago. And we both agreed. Same thing that any law enforcement official would tell you. There has to be three things involved, or there always is. Motive, means, and opportunity. Yes. Do you think that these other individuals may have had any one or all of those three? I think one of them does, yes. Okay. Okay. But you don't think that it was Brenda, or, yeah, you don't think it was Brenda alone? No. It's been roughly 30 years since she's passed. How has things changed for your family? Mm, well, for I know what it still hurts my mom, but you know, as far as you know myself, you know, I mean, it. Really, you were very young. Yes. Yeah, you were. You were. You were a child at yes. the time. You still think about her a lot. Yeah, from time to time. One of the other things that I found out from your mom, and this is a note for myself, when I first learned of her passing, was shortly after it happened. Maybe maybe not even a week. So I came out here, and I asked some people, and they said, yeah, right over there is where it happened. So I go over there. I come to find out your mom says that was wrong and that she had been told the same thing. Apparently, it was right over in this area, mm-hmm. some five or 600 feet away. Now, I asked her the question, and I want to ask you, why would somebody be so blatantly off course? What would be your thought on that? I think that their stories don't match up. That they were just trying to say something to get it out there. And then when they got it out there, they kind of had to roll with it. You know, and the biggest thing with me is like, you know, if you commit a crime, especially like domestic violence or, mm-hmm. or murder, homicide, the first person or one of the people that needs to be in contact is either your husband, wife, some type of family member. That's going to be your number one suspect. Absolutely. You know, and as far as I know, her ex-boyfriend, John, you know, they didn't even question him. Or if they did, it wasn't a very thorough investigation. Did they question Brenda that you know of? Uh, she says that they did. And she said that she has took a polygraph test. But kind of when I called her out on it, you know, she didn't get no results or they didn't have the results from it. Hmm. But, I mean, I've talked to her. And, you know, I personally think, you know, I think that she might know who done it, you know, mm-hmm. and don't want to say, but I honestly don't think that she, you know, done it. You don't think that she actually had her hands in on it? Or- if she did have her hands in on it, she wasn't alone is, is what I'm trying to get at. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, you have a grown man, and then my sister, she was pretty tough herself. You know, there is not no one female going to, you know. Now, at the time of April's passing, she was 16 and Tim was 24. Is that right? I'm so not he, for sure. Yeah, he was, I believe yeah, he was, he was 
23-24. And you're right. He was a grown man, and he wasn't a small-statured man. Right. He, he was a pretty good-sized guy. And he had a deathly fear of water. Yes. I've heard the same. Yeah. And yet he's found, I think it was 30 feet out from the bank and then 15 or 20 foot of water, something like that. And your mom brought up a really good point that his hands were to his side. I mean, I, I don't necessarily understand or know the physics, but it seems to me if somebody is going to go into the water, then their hands are going to be, you know, because they're reaching for right. something. I mean, that's what I would think. And, and and I've not seen or heard autopsy results from him. Most of his family that I knew have now passed on. Correct. I know his brother passed away a few years ago. Yeah. You, you know, like if, if you drowned, you have to have water in your lungs. Because yeah. if you hold your breath and jump in a pool or a lake, you're not going to sink. Because the water or the air in your lungs keeps you afloat. You have to exhale that out to actually sink. Mm-hmm. And seeing... The pump knots and, you know, the facial uh, bruising on him. And then his knuckles, I remember, was down to, I mean, you could see almost the bones in it. I mean, I remember seeing that skin peeled off from more like he'd been in some type of struggle. You know, if you're out there drowning and you can't swim and I jump in to save you, you know, your knuckles, yeah, you might hit me once and might try to push me under to stay afloat, Mm -hmm. but your hands is not going to look like that. You know, he was in a fight for his life. When I Googled and binged, or, you know, the only thing I can pull up under, and and just so you know, I actually tried it with Tim, too. I pulled up absolutely nothing under him. Under April, I pulled up her memorial, the Find a Grave marker, the the website. That was all I pulled up. Are you thinking that this is covered up? Yes. Uh, I know that... uh there are certain families that have a lot of money in town. And I think that, you know, they didn't want to put a bad name on their family, you know, didn't want to get that out there. Money talks. What are you hoping to accomplish? What would you like to see happen? What would I like to see happen? That is a good question. Um, I'm a type person is I think every kid needs to know who their parents are, you know, even if they're in their life or not. You know, it's not the kid's fault. And I think every person that has lost a loved one due to a crime or homicide or something like that, they need to have closure of exactly what happened. You know, me, I I know there ain't no statute on limitations. It's been 30 years. You know, I mean, I could give a rat sign in if if they're in jail, if they're not in jail. I mean, I would just like to see the closure to actually know what happened. More than anything, you want answers. Yes. Yes. I've spent over 25 years behind a microphone, either in radio broadcasting or TV commercials and voice work and maybe podcasting. I, I got a face for that kind of stuff, I guess. I can tell you that I don't always necessarily plan how many interviews I'm going to do. And I'd much rather sit down and just kind of go with the flow in a lot of cases. And it's not being lazy. It's because I want something to sound real and natural. At the time I did the first interview with Sharon, I really didn't anticipate a second one, although I was open to the idea then, but when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped all over it. I'm really glad I did, because not only did I get a better sense of who April was, but I also got a better sense of who Sharon was and who her family is. 
And let me tell you, when it comes to Sharon, like so many people, her family is everything. Her family is her life. This second interview with Sharon that you're about to hear was conducted at the same place that Tim's was, Paintsville Lake. And I asked her to start off by telling me the earliest memories and some of the best memories she had of April. And now you get a feel for who April Pennington was, or should I say, is. I remember uh, going into the delivery room and her doctor hadn't made it over from his office yet at Paul B. Hall Medical Center. And uh, when April came out, I bent over and looked at her and she had all this long, dark hair. And I said, there's my April Renee. I named her right there. And uh, they had her in the little room where they keep the babies at and they would bring them out to let the moms feed them and stuff. And I remember standing in the hallway at the door waiting for my little black-haired baby girl to be handed to me. And I wouldn't let her go back into the nursery. And uh, April grew up. She was happy. She, you could tell she was a jokester from, from day one. Um, I remember uh, one time when I'd stopped at the grocery store and to get, get her some soda, and she uh, saw a bird laying in the middle of the road on the double yellow line. She demanded at age two for me to get out and get that bird. And the bird was already dead. And I told her, I said, April, I said, that bird's done went to heaven. She says, you, you wouldn't go get that bird, and now it's dead. So she cried for a day or two. And then um, another thing that she, I remember her doing is I had lost my driver's license. She was about three years old at this time. I couldn't find my driver's license nowhere. So I went over and paid to get me a new driver's license, and... I went back to the house, and I was changing her her crib bed, and I found my driver's license underneath the mattress. So I said, April, I said, hey, what, what was you doing with Mommy's license? She says, I just wanted to sleep with you. So she had my driver's license in there, and then, you know, she would take and uh, play hide-and-seek and climb underneath the sink, underneath the cabinet in the sink, and she would hide. Scared me to death. I didn't know what happened. And then I heard a little giggle, and I went in there and looked, and there she was. I said, April, don't scare Mommy like that no more. She said, I was playing hide-and-seek. Little kid, big oh, love. Oh, yes, yes. A lot of yes, love. Yes, The story of the bird on the highway. She wanted to be a veterinarian, didn't she? Yeah, she sure did. And every, every dog or cat that she seen, she wanted to pick up and bring home. We lived in a place where people dumped their animals out at, on the road. So every time we would go down the dirt road off the hill, somebody had dumped out a dog, eat up with mange and fleas, and I had to bring it home and doctor it, and she kept it. At the point where April began dating John, how was it at first? At first, uh, it was good. John was very attentive to April, very sweet to her. Um, I had no problem. Kind of everything that a mother hoped that a potential suitor for her daughter would be. Yes, absolutely. When did you start to notice a change? When April, about when she was 15, she would go over there and uh, to John's house. Either he would come and pick her up or his mother would. Mm -hmm. And... 
she just her demeanor started changing. She she was like she didn't want to tell me stuff. Not quite as open as she was. No, no. And then a week before she died was really bad because she was coming home from her regular friends. They, she was coming home. She was putting blankets over her window in her bedroom. And I didn't quite know why, but there was a girl... She had been threatened in April the whole time, and I wasn't aware of it until about a week before she died. Any idea why? Why would she be? Why would Brenda would, be threatening April? Well, according to what April told me, and according to what April's friends told me, it's because April was so pretty and smart and was well liked in school, and Brenda wasn't. Now we can attest, or I can attest to that. April was really well liked in school. I, I went to school with her. She was a couple of years younger than I. Um, but yeah, she was very, she was very well loved. A lot of people loved hanging around her and just enjoyed being around her just for her company. So I asked April one day, I said, April, I said, what does this Brenda look like? So we got in the truck and we went over to McDonald's and Brenda come out of McDonald's was walking down the sidewalk around, around McDonald's. And April said, there she is. The girl had had her hair colored dark now brenda was a blonde a Mm -hmm. dirty blonde Mm -hmm. she had cut her hair off short and dyed it dark brown almost black which was the color of april's Uh uh-huh and uh april April had very raven colored hair yes jet black she april didn't want me to stop she said mom whatever you do don't stop just go right on don't stop and that's all she would say about that but she was terrified of this girl april went to uh johnson central her freshman year where she had straight f's on her report card mm-hmm. because of this girl. Then April had to have surgery, so because of the surgery and the threats from this girl, I put April on homebound. Her teacher come to the house where April, when she passed away, had straight A's. I've got a copy of a report card. Big difference. Yes, absolutely. So it, you think it was the cause of this one individual, this Brenda? Yes. That April had the issues with? Yes, how did April come to know Tim? Tim would stop at the place of business that the boy, her boyfriend at that time, or I thought was her boyfriend at that time, the place of business to get parts and stuff because his brother worked at a garage right around the corner and him and April become friends because he didn't have much money and he come from like a poor family, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the type of people that April really gravitated to, people that she could help and, and, and be confident in she looked up to him as a, like a big brother so if April was walking down a hallway and saw somebody that was defenseless being picked on what would she do well she has walked down the hallway and she has seen her cousin being picked on because of a massive birthmark that she had was born with on her face mm-hmm. and April went straight up there and defended her she <laughs> Back the boy up to the locker, you know, and just was telling him, you Said, know, that was, this yeah, this, this, ain't, this ain't right, it ain't happening, you know, uh, not to be making fun of, of her because of that handicap, you know. And mm-hmm. Prom, 1991. What was that last day like? April was all giddy and smiling and, and just being April. And she told me, she said, Mom, said, uh, 
there was a houseboat party at the lake, and she said, Tim, Tim is going to come up and pick me up, and we're going to just go out and ride around. We may go to that houseboat party. So Tim come up in his truck, and he backed in the driveway, and April went out, and she was wearing this white shirt, white T-shirt. It was an extra-large shirt because she didn't like things tight. Mm-hmm. She didn't like to show her breast or anything like that. She liked to be comfortable. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was wearing a pair of blue jean shorts and her K-Swiss tennis shoes and her necklace and a ring. And she went out the door, and uh, I said, you all be careful now. And she said, oh, we will. And her and Tim and the other boy at that time that was with him, who was also out here at the lake when they passed away, they all waved at me and smiled and went on down, down the road. That was at about 7 o'clock in the evening? About 7.15. 7.15 yeah. in the evening. Her o'clock. clock, miraculously, her wind-up clock, alarm clock, had quit at that time. When she left? Yes. And the clock is in a cedar chest. Frozen in time. Frozen in time. How was she recovered? I was told that her body, that the juveniles that was with them that night saw her floating in the water face down and they went and got got her out brought her up over the rock and then took her to the hospital in the cab of tim's truck and at that time they say they did not know where tim was they told the uh, emergency room people that uh, there's another one out there uh, because they 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 hesitated according to what the doctor dr loretta said that they hesitated they were hyper he referred to them as hyper and they come back in there after they got brought April in and said, oh, there's another one out there. There's another so one. So that's when the hospital personnel called the police and called Rescue Squad Dive Team, which I might add, their office is about a half a mile up the road here from where the drownings occurred. They come out, and there was one of the boys, he's deceased now, um, sitting on a picnic table and pointed right to where Tim Stambo's body was found. I mean, they set up the lights, they went in there, and they found him. How far from the shore was he? Do you recall that? Because we want to make a note here. Tim Tim had a big fear of water. He was deathly afraid of water. Um, I'm looking uh, through some uh, newspaper articles here. It said that they recovered Tim Stambo's body in 10 to 12 feet of water. Not really. They're not really sure of how how far from the shoreline. And April was pronounced dead at the hospital at one minute or seven minutes after one. And Tim was brought and pronounced at one forty. Now you had a talk with this doctor. Yes. Who did he say died first? He said April died first. And I asked him. I said, "Well, how long had she been dead? Ten, fifteen minutes?" He said, "A long time." That was her answer, a long time? A long time. I said, she was much dead much longer than Timmy. He said, yes. And I might add that I have a lady that was with me at the time that the doctor gave these statements, and she is no no member of the family. Uh, she was just somebody that I had previously worked with before that was a registered nurse. Autopsy, number one, that the coroner had done. You know, we talked earlier about how you received the notification. Do you want the uh, emergency room report first? Sure, sure you can. We can do that. Let's talk about the emergency room report first. Okay, so this is concerning, uh, this is April's emergency room report? Yes. All right. You you got the notification by 
at the time, Sheriff Cyrus and Coroner J.R. Frisbee. Yes. And, you know, we, we've made note of this before on, you know, and, and you've heard part of that. Yes. Where I said, to me, that's kind of callous and cold. They didn't say, well, we're sorry to inform you. They didn't say, you know, can we come in and sit down? No. You know, can we have a cup of coffee? And they just said, April's dead. Yes. Just bam. There's April's, been an accident. April, she's dead. There's been an accident. April, she's dead. Yeah. I remember you said that you went numb. Yes. You, you didn't. It, it's it's like you stepped out of your body. Yes, is what you and I talked about, Sharon. So when you when you come back through to whatever sense is left, you get in the car, you go to the ER, you go to the hospital. What do you have? What what do you find? I was uh, driven to the hospital by my next door neighbor. And when I get over to the hospital, they had, there wasn't none of the group out there, friends, family members or anything. Tim's truck wasn't there. I remember the parking lot was, was bare. And I remember going in and being escorted to a seat in the waiting area. And then they come out and got me and took me to this little room, which to this day is a totally different room. It's been The whole hospital's been renovated, but I can take you to that room to this day. And when you see what I saw, it's embedded in your mind forever. I walked into this room, and there was a gurney. And on this gurney, there was something covered up with a white sheet. And they just pulled the sheet down. And when they pulled the sheet down, I stood there still numb. I went over, and I touched April's face. I touched her arms. It was cold. It was clammy. She had clothes on. Now, mind you, the ER doctor said that when she was brought in to the hospital in the cab of that truck of Tim's, and they went and got her out. Now, April was just about five foot two, about 135 pounds. It took him, two nurses in the ER, and a security guard to get that little body out of that truck and put it on that gurney. She had no clothes on. So somebody had put clothes on the body. She had jeans on. The shirt that she had on was not the shirt that she left in. Was she found in the lake nude? I'm assuming. I, I don't know. I don't know. I was never told. What did the shirt say? The shirt that they put on her said, you suck. And it had vomit material on the front of it which I still got the shirt the shorts the belt the bra and the panties and the panties were ripped when I got them back from the Kentucky State Police the panties were ripped they had a hole in them that's so somebody was that what she was wearing the night she left home all but the shirt the shirt that she left in as I described earlier was an oversized shirt I had P-E-P-E and a logo on the front of it. This one did not. It no. just said, you suck. Yes, and it was way too small for her. They had, had had squeezed her body into it. And I automatically said, that's not her shirt. So I got to looking for her shirt, which showed up at the back of her dad's car on Davis Branch about a month later. Showed up where? In the back of her dad's car. He had a little car that had a hatchback in it. And uh, that shirt was found in the back of his car. And he immediately brought it to me. 
The shirt that she wore when she left. Yes. And the thing about this is that car, the hatchback, had only a certain way that you could open it. So not everybody knew that. No. So whoever put the shirt in there. Had previous knowledge of the car and how to open the hatchback, yeah. Had Brenda and April ever had a physical altercation? Did they ever? Yes. Okay. Uh, one of the altercations that took place uh, was told to me by a girl that actually stopped it before it happened. Uh, she said she'd went in the bathroom downstairs at Johnson Central, and Brenda had April hemmed up against the wall in the bathroom and had a flare gun with her, going to use it on April. She made Brenda quit and took April and the flare gun up to the office, which nothing was done. Did you see anything on April's body that would make you say, wait, wait a minute? The first thing, like I said, this is Im- imprinted in your brain. I mean, it, it's something that you cannot ever remove. You can't unsee this? No. I saw a place on her lip, her upper lip. I saw a dark spot on her left jaw. Look, looked like a bruise? It looked like a bruise to me. You okay. know, I'm no do- I wasn't no doctor back then. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a red mark going around her neck. Around her neck. A fine red mark. Could have been strangulation or, or, or something around there. It was just a fine red mark. I saw a piece of, um, it looked to me like a, a piece of her ear gone, where her earring was at. Her hair, when she left the house that night, her hair was wet and French braided back by my sister-in-law mm-hmm. and a hair brat put in it. Mm-hmm. But when I got to the ER, the hair was all hanging down, and it was dry around the front. Also on this broadcast, or this podcast, this what episode, we're going to hear the doctor say that he did not believe that it was an accidental drowning, that yeah. this was not a drowning. He says the, uh, on the recording that you got of his own free will, he says it was the consensus in the emergency room that night that she did not drown, yet... On the emergency room report, three different people that worked on this report, because all three writings are different, uh, the doctor signed it down here, somebody wrote DOA, drowning victim, it was not the doctor, he said he did not, not, not write that. Um, so three different, three different people, three different handwritings. Yes, I've got the report right And each one is contradicting the other. Yes. And this isn't the only time this has happened. No. Your son... Timothy Pennington served with honor in the United States Armed Forces. Yes. Tell me, what did he do with this autopsy report? He took the autopsy report. Now, mind you, back then he was a military police officer. Mm-hmm. MP. So he wanted to take the report to Fort Knox and show it to uh, a coroner in that area. And he told me that the coroner read the reports. I mean, he had the, the state police report, uh, the whole nine yards. He said the coroner told him that there would be no way in the world that he would rule her death an accidental drowning. That's what I was told. This is coming from a man who has extensive training in this field. Yes. Who works closely and is affiliated with the United States Department of Defense. Yes. This man knows what he's talking about. Yes. Did you happen to go to the funeral home for Tim? I Tim, did. Tim's? Tell me about what you noticed there on his remains. I noticed his hands, his fingers looked like 
like they was broke. You know, of course, this is a, just a lay person. You know, they mm-hmm. looked like to me that that they looked broke, looked like they had been in a fist. Uh, he had uh, a bruises on him, and he on had, his hands. Yes, and he had a a knot, and I did, He had a knot on his forehead on the right hand side above his eye, and his sister told me to fill in the back of his head. There was also a knot on the back of his head. And he was deathly afraid of water. Yes, and there was such a difference in the bodies. I mean, Tim's body uh, laying there in, the, in his coffin, he, he looked normal. April's body, her head looked uh, huge. Uh, her neck looked huge. I mean, it was just, she looked grotesque. She did not look like April. Her face and neck was almost twice the size it should have been. When you came up here with your mom, April's grandma, who's now passed, yes, you came up here to pay respects yes. and a tribute, a memorial for April's life. Where were you first told that they recovered her remains? It wasn't in the area where the water patrol officer finally showed us. It was way around, around that, about. Um, Eight, nine hundred feet away from the original area. Now, keep in mind, we're sitting out here at Paintsville Lake, which was where April and Tim were both found. The night that they put her in Tim's truck after the juveniles removed the body from the water, did anything odd happen? Well, I was told that, that the boy, of course, the boy that, that was out here that passed away a few years ago, that he had tried to do CPR on April, and he couldn't do CPR on or he tried they said he tried then the next thing that I was told of course you know hearsay mm-hmm. is that the other two juveniles that supposedly pulled April out of the water that night was told to keep their mouth shut and not ever say anything about what happened out here that night I thought that was odd uh, they loaded April's body up in the cab of Tim's truck and rode her through the Mayo Plaza stopped at Long John Silver's drive through where Tim Stambo's sisters were. And Tim's sister come out and said, what are you doing driving Tim's truck, and where's Tim? And she told me that April's body was in the cab of the truck, leaned over on one of the girls. And he said, well, I said, we're on our way to the hospital with April, and we can't find Tim. And he asked for uh, some water. So they gave him a cup of water, and he splashed it on April's face. And then when she gets to the hospital, her hair really wasn't wet. I mean, it was it was it was dry around the front. There's been multiple newspaper articles and a lot of people that say that this does not add up. So you know, one of the one of the newspaper articles, I think it's the next one that you had there, that talks about a lot of people are still wondering. Oh, what, you're talking yeah. about the unanswered questions. Yes, article. the un- un- unanswered questions. Yes. You know, they want to know what really happened. A lot of people want to know what really happened out here. One of the autopsy results on April showed no free fluid in the lungs, but yet they said drowning victim. Yes, that was the second private autopsy that I had done in Tennessee. What did the first one say? Reading straight from the report. Um, It talks about the respiratory, the lungs, or usual lobotation, and weighed 500 and 400 grams right and left, respectively. Mm -hmm. Um, they have a pink modded appearance on sectioning other lungs. They are pink to red and exclude 
frothy pink fluid upon pressure. Then it goes back here. They go into the interior of the body, and uh, it says the lungs are mid metastatin and in midline. The lungs are hyperinflated and occupy 90% of the pleural space. No free fluid noted in either smooth pleural space. So that's a contradiction. Yes, in the same on the same page. So either she had water in her lungs or she didn't. Well, here but, they say that she did, and, and then down here, here they you know, said that they that she said did. that uh, um, excluded frothy pink fluid upon pressure. Is this why you elected to have the second autopsy done, which you paid for yourself? Yes. Because you weren't getting answers. I, things just wasn't adding up. April was an excellent swimmer. She swam in Myrtle Beach Ocean without a flotation device at age 12. Mm-hmm. She would go to uh, Jenny Wiley Swimming Pool, and she would swim at age uh, 13, 14, and she would have her hair pulled back in a ponytail or a braid, and she would swim with her cousins, hold of her pigtail or ponytail. With them holding on to it, she would swim the whole length of that pool and back. That's what I call an outstanding swimmer. Yes. So she had no problem with doing this. No. And we admit again that Timothy Stambo had a deathly fear of water. One theory out there, and tell me what you think about this. One theory is that they actually went out onto the houseboat that night. When they got onto the houseboat, that's when the attacks happened. That's when April got killed. And then they threw Tim overboard, and that would explain why his knuckles, because he was frothing and splashing around trying to get back onto the boat or trying to find something to grab onto because he couldn't swim. That's a possibility. That's one of the rumors that went around. That is definitely something that's um, worth considering, I think. How has this affected your family? It's, it devastated my family. My mom on her deathbed in the ER at Highlands told me, so don't ever give up on trying to find out what happened to her. Tell me about what was found on the grounds here at the lake. When I was at the funeral home, Tim Stambro's brother came up to me and he said, uh, does this belong to April? And it was a hair brat. And it was the one that April had on, in her hair the night that she left the house and I said yes it does where'd you find it and he said I found it on the grass at the lake so he was up here looking too yes he was they were looking for Tim's glasses which they never did find a lot of unanswered questions yeah what do you hope comes out of this I hope the ones that were involved in taking April's and Tim's life are put away I hope it's solved If it's not solved in this life, it'll be solved in the next life. What a way to end it. Sharon's final words in this particular set of interviews, if not in this life, then in the next. Next week on the Mountain Mysteries, the ghost of 22 Mine Road, the mountain mystery of Mamie Thurman. Until then, stay mysterious. If you enjoy The Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support The Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.
Pantry Studio Production.